Welcome to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about vocations and career paths. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard that we submit a resume, which contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that is not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. Okay, and welcome to the podcast. I'm wel- welcoming Matt Pelicano. So uh, he's got an exciting story to tell. He's the current uh, owner of Pelicano Builders, as well as the vice president of Top to Bottom Insulation. And he is a current home builder with those occupations. So welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you. All right, we're going to uh, search back in your history. So tell me a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of students that wish to become home builders. So tell me a little bit about what you do and why it's so exciting and how you ended up being there actually right now. So, so give me a current glimpse at your job. Okay. I, I basically take, you know, a lot of pride in my building because we only build maybe four to five custom homes a year. We don't know, you know, we, we're not uh, cookie cutter builders. We're custom home builders. So basically we design the homes with uh, our customers from, you know, from the ground floor right to decorating inside. We do we do it all. We have a staff of architects. We have a staff of interior designers. And my staff, we've been in business 30 years, my partner and myself. And so we take a lot of pride in, you know, making sure the homeowner is totally, totally involved in the home and building the home. We get a lot of you know, feedback from the homeowners. We just don't go in and just put the sticks up and say, call it a day. We give you a vanilla envelope. You know, we do we do just about everything for the homeowner. You know, uh, we let them pick their faucets. We let them pick their, their moldings, doors, windows, roof, siding. So we that's how we stand out from uh, most of the other home builders in the area. Good, good. So you have... Uh, you- you, you referenced we, you said you work with a lot of people within your crew, uh, everything right. from beginning to end and architects and designing it and people picking out things and, and actually, you know, seeing it get built, uh, put it up. So you actually yeah. hire all your own people to do the construction or you hire out subcontractors? Well, we have a lot of our own people that have been with us a long time. You know, like my uh, framers have been with me a long time. My interior molding guys have been with me a long time. My Mm -hmm. plumber, my electrician. We have a pretty good crew that they're independents, but they also just mainly stay with us. Great. So So as a home builder yourself, you're 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 the guy. You're where the buck stops and all that. So you've got to have a very good knowledge all around in many different areas and different trades and things like that. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. Absolutely. From electric to plumbing to designing the home, you know, we, uh, I basically could just, you know, I could build the home myself, 
with that, but I need the licenses and all. But sure. You know, basically, we, we, as I say, like, you know, it's, it's excellent having a partner because we lean on each other. Mm-hmm. So the two of us can actually build the home ourselves without any subs, but we rely on our subs. Good, good. Well, it keeps a lot of people employed and a lot of good trades. So, uh, but it's. It's good to keep an eye on everything and understand what's what's going on. So from the electrical to the plumbing to uh, the carpentry and, and roofing and framing, yeah, everything. Yeah. So exciting. There is the so much to know, and especially nowadays. Uh, how, how do you how do you feel about modern technology and building materials? Oh, it's it's fantastic now. You know, you can go into a siding place show them the plans and they can put the color deciding you want on the roof you want on the windows you want it's amazing you know i'm the old-fashioned i still read blueprints on paper yep. and i like it <laughs> but a lot of these new guys you know they'll just put they'll bring up their laptop and they'll put it on the computer and you see your house That's great. i like reading it on paper yeah yeah there's something about the the paper and and the blueprint and and understanding paper all pencil that. and an eraser still the <laughs> still the best <laughs> absolutely that's good so you also mentioned that you've been in business for about 30 years with doing this and 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 i'm just curious and you know the evolution of things over the last 30 years do you think would you say that things have gotten uh, a bit easier, a little bit better, or I know we just talked about kind of like you still like paper and all that, and that that's a a, a preference certainly. But right. was it easier to be a builder thirty, twenty five years ago, or is it easier to be a builder now, and why? I think it's I think it's pretty equal between then and now. You know, there's a little modernization, but you know, when you look at uh, building a house, it's basically. The same as 30 years ago. You're mm-hmm. using the same lumber. You're using the same nails, except you have, an, uh, uh, you know, your nail is, a, you know, uh, mechanical, except a hammer. You know, but I have a lot of framers that use still a hammer, yep. and, you know, to frame a house. So, you know, it's based, really building a house is almost the same, except the insulation part, you know, which has uh, come a great way. You know, we use spray foam insulation now, which is unbelievable because it, cuts the heating bills and air conditioning bills by 40 to 50 percent you know the windows are different you know you don't have uh storm windows and screens so that's another thing the materials are much different Mm -hmm. but the the basics of building a house are the exact same okay that's good that's good to know so this is not a uh an easy step for some people though it is a big dream for a lot of people to become a builder and and to to have the freedom to be able to build things that you might want to build or enjoy building for other people to see things getting built and you can look at that and go yeah i i built that so there's a lot of satisfaction to come in this just like any other entrepreneurial field uh but it's not something you can easily step into and when you do i'm imagining from other stories that i know that there's, uh, there's a lot of issues, a little uh, trials and other things that you might uh, run into and, and uh, problems in some cases or headaches. So I guess for the new person entering this field to become a builder after they have some other skills and they say, yeah, I'm, I'm pressing the button, I'm going to become an entrepreneur and I'm going to be a builder, what would you relate to them as some of the biggest hassles, issues, problems, uh, things that maybe you've learned through some mistakes or, or seeing other people make mistakes. What's the issues in this field? The, the issues is you like a lot of these guys just think they're going to come in and they're going to build a house. 
and they think they're, you know, or call themselves contractors or whatever, whatever. We're builders and contractors. We do both. We contract people to do the job and we and we're able as contractors to build the house. A lot of these guys that just think they're going to come in, hire this guy, hire that guy, hire this guy, but they don't have the knowledge. You have to have knowledge of your electrical. You have to have knowledge of plumbing. You have to know, you know, where a micro lamb goes and how it sits and in pocket. You have to know your masons and how they pour in the concrete and everything else. So a lot of these kids who think they can just come in and say, I'm a builder. You're not a builder. You're a contractor. And you're going to try to build a home. So every you really need education. You can't just or knowledge of, you know, all these fields. Otherwise, you're not going to just come in and build a home. Right. That's what we get paid for, our knowledge. Good. And so, And 30 years of doing it. <laughs> well, that's the key right there. Now, that's what we want to explore a little bit more. So your career path, your history, your, your knowledge, how you got that. Uh, so, so let's dig into a little bit of that right now. Let's, let's kind of go, let's, let's do that way, way back thing right now. And you grew up, you moved from, what, New York to New Jersey as a kid? Yeah. And uh, tell me a little bit about your upbringing and your family and a little bit of that. I grew up in the Bronx till five years old. Then I came to suburbia, uh, Bergenfield, New Jersey. Uh, went to school uh, in uh, Bergenfield, graduated Bergenfield High School and went on to uh, college at Fairleigh Redi- uh, Fairley Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> I heard uh, that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and became a chemist. So by trade, I'm a chemist. A chemist, okay. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's interesting. We're going to come back to that chemist thing. That's that. That's going to be uh, somehow a tie-in. So, when you were growing up, I mean, you went through middle school and you're in high school, and you have family. You're, uh, you had what a, a brother, I believe. I have a brother that's a, a computer tech. And who, who ended up in the auto, automotive field, owning gas stations and body shops. Okay. He didn't follow his path. He's a, he's a computer engineer, and <laughs> he didn't like it. So he wanted to be hands-on with something. So he ended up in a body shop and he owned several gas stations. And I think you note also that your your father and your grandfather were big influences on you and maybe a oh, work yeah. ethic and career. So tell me a little bit my, about those guys. All right. My grandfather was a vice president for John Hancock. And uh, sold life insurance policies during the war mm. and made himself a very wealthy man. My dad was a captain in the Navy. So saying that, you know, he worked for the government after he got out. He was one of the only kids from the Bronx that went to college and had his master's degree. And it was a civil engineer. Mm. So my engineering abilities were from him. And uh, he ran a strict house. You know, yeah. he marched to a certain <laughs> rhythm with him while my other cousins <laughs> owned garbage businesses and were millionaires <laughs> we were middle class blue car middle class people and in, in living in new jersey so it was a little you know it was a great experience with my dad he taught us a lot so it's responsibility so how does how does that translate into careers and and kind of your influence in order to pick a career or even where you ended up what is you know obviously we could look at civil engineering and say okay that's that's building and roads and bridges and 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 towns and all that too so it's kind of a natural fit maybe it would be into the builders so were you picking up a lot of those technical aspects or even i mean you say you love blueprint reading so when you know were you seeing some of that in in some of these areas and especially from your father and whatnot 
Exactly. But my my career started, you know, I was in the fragrance business for 13 years. I was a vice president of a company, a French company, Givadon Rua. And when I moved out of there, I bought a restaurant. And when I bought the restaurant, it had to be completely renovated. So that started my building career. You know, oh. I totally renovated my own restaurant. And that's one of my big fields right now. I design, build, and staff restaurants. Okay. That's my, that was always my dream. And that's what I, you know. So you just mentioned that real quickly. But that, that that's an interesting aspect right there that you were – uh, you know, an executive in a, a fragrance company. So there's your, your chemical background, right? Right. And, and then you, you wanted to branch out a little bit, you know, you mentioned your brother and he didn't follow his career field necessarily. Uh, but, but here's you. So, so tell me about that switch. Were you, were you getting an itch to, to kind of do something different? Yes. I always wanted in my own restaurant and, hmm. you know, I was tired. I was always like, you know, I cooked and everything else, but I always wanted my own, my own business. I got tired of working for somebody. And so that's how I, you know, became, you know, a restaurateur slash builder. So I started building, you know, my career, my father retired. He had not, you know, he always wanted to help me in business with me. My brother wouldn't have him. But they locked heads all the time. Yeah. But uh, myself and my father got along very well. So my father, you know, said, you know, let's get the restaurant and let's build it. So, you know, he was like I said, he was a civil engineer. So he helped out a lot with the plans and everything else. And then when I got married, my father-in-law was a civil engineer and an architectural engineer. So it was like a, fa a family thing. And then we all and my father-in-law was working at the time for Colgate Palmolive and they got laid off. So I said, Pop. Let's, you know, let's make one big company. You're, you're an engineer. You don't need anybody. To, you don't need to work for anybody. And yeah. there it went. He became my architect and my engineer. My father was, you know, helped out and everything. But then my father, who was the civil engineer, ended up running the restaurants for me. Okay. <laughs> he didn't follow the building career. With <laughs> so your first restaurant was where? First in Westwood, Arthur's Steakhouse. Arthur's Steakhouse, nice. Okay, so was that something you just took over, started, or or you actually no, no, built that built, restaurant? We bought the building that had a liquor license, and we built it. Okay, my partner right. and I. Yeah. So you built the business, or you actually built the actual building with the business? No, we built the restaurant, the whole interior. We gutted a building. We built the restaurant, apartments on top, and the rest. And then we, you know staffed the restaurant, built the restaurant, and owned the restaurant. A okay. lot of builders own restaurants for oh. some reason. We don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can, right? So you build it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so tell me about your learning curve there. I mean, that was your first, uh, you know, entrance into the building aspect, even though you're building a, a physical building and you're building a business itself. But this kind of launched your career then into the building business. So uh, you've come a long way since then. And, and what did you, what did you enter? What did you come across in that first building aspect? And if I guess one of the questions, if you had to go back and do that first building again, would you do anything different? Oh my God. Yes. We wanted the most elegant restaurant in Westwood, New Jersey. Instead of using Luan, we were using mahogany. Instead of using pine, we were using, you know, a, a mahogany. We oak, number mm. one oak. We used, we used the finest materials, that money could buy, not knowing that we could have used less of cost materials, just painted it and looked just as good. Yeah. It, it, yeah. We went crazy. Totally. 
we had no conception of, you know, our budgets or anything. You know, we didn't even know how to do a budget. We just started building it and just buying, buy this, buy that. We had marble, a granite top bar. Most bars were made back then. It was whew, 19, early 80s. We were made out of wood. We yeah. had marble. Nobody had marble. My uncle owned a marble place. He goes, oh, I'll give you marble. Yeah, then he forgot to tell us that we had to support the marble on the top of the bar. So the bar collapsed the first time. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had a, a really learning experience in that restaurant. Yeah, well, that, that's that's good, right? You want to start out and, and really do it well, but, but you realize that. Yeah, there's 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 a few things I still need to get experience on or understand and, and all that too. So you you then went on to building other restaurants. Yes, many yeah. other restaurants. So what's the progression of the restaurants and, and how did you kind of choose what to do next and and what did you learn along the way? We we learned that we learned the guys that can design a restaurant and and do it functionally. So we brought on a designer that just designed our restaurant, this gentleman, Raymond Hobbelman, who's mm-hmm. unbelievable. All he does is design our restaurants. And we learned how to build restaurants that are functional, mm-hmm. that are, you know, that are people friendly. You know, we learned how to build kitchens, which are very you know difficult. Mm-hmm. We learned how to, we learned the handicap rules back and forth a hundred times and boy but they were the hardest rules to ever come across uh, how to you know build handicap ramps how to have accessibility in bathrooms how to make you know stalls in bathrooms uh people don't realize how much work it goes in for handicap accessibility into a restaurant mm. it's amazing uh so that that part of our restaurant experience is you know we're top notch in it now we can build any restaurant that'll pass any code and the kitchens will be totally functional and the flow of people and the waiting areas. That's what our expertise is. Good. You know how to, anybody can do a restaurant, but not a, not a functional restaurant. Yeah. I, I certainly as a patron of restaurants, you, you walk in and you can kind of get the vibe of the restaurant and, and understand, uh, you know, why certain things don't work. Maybe sometimes you don't understand it or when you're standing there, but you know, you know, right. uh, this doesn't really have a good feel to it. Or other ones, you walk in and you go, wow, this is really, really nice and very comfortable. Or uh, Exactly. I was uh, had an experience last night. Actually, I went out with my family, and we walked into a, a renovated restaurant. Very, very nice. Uh, I did a good job on it, but it was extremely loud. It was open. All the materials they used were hard surface materials, hardwood floors, hardwood benches, mm. brick on the walls, and things like that. And I just... I, I could just see almost sound waves bouncing off of every surface what they could and into my ear. So uh, right. it was interesting experience. So, yeah. so some yeah. of those things you learn along the way, right? Acoustics oh, and absolutely. flow and, and things like that. Yeah. It's very difficult working with designers that don't, that won't listen to you either. We are, <laughs> you know, but that's why we ended up with this gentleman, Raymond, because he, he works it as a group. He works it with the owner, he works it with us, and he works it with himself. And he's very, you know, knowledgeable of a restaurant. So it's just so, like working with a homeowner, too. We worked with several homeowners that know as much as us. Yep. You know, there's one particular lady, I think you both, you know her, and <laughs> she helped us a tremendous amount in building her home. Right. 
Yeah. You know, it was, it was a real learning experience when you have a homeowner putting up molding with your, with your molding guy inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I have a somewhat similar background than a person you're, you're referring to. Uh, yeah. And I know that some of the houses that, that I have owned, uh, I've, I've rebuilt some of those myself, but I've also worked alongside uh, when we're doing very big jobs with uh, the architects that we're working with to uh, renovate one of our houses or the post and beam company that we had to make the frame for our house up in Vermont. And uh, they often seem surprised of some of the knowledge that uh, myself and, and a couple other people had uh, in order to talk the talk and, and a little bit walk the walk. So. Um, we love it. We love that when a homeowner gets totally involved with it. Yeah. It, it, it makes it so much easier for us. We had a lady that we built her a beautiful home and we came to the job site at the, you know, after the house was framed, sheetrock was going in and there were two pods sitting on the front lawn and mm-hmm. they were filled with all the material we needed to finish the home. Nice. So nice. makes we, it easier. We let, we let our customers be creative with us. That's great. That's great. So back to the restaurants real quick. I'm curious about some of this stuff. So when you uh, pick a restaurant that you're going to do and mm-hmm. uh, I, I have, uh, was it a certain theme that you always stuck with or you went, you know, we say, oh, tonight we're going to go out for seafood or tonight we're going to go out for a steak. I know Arthur's Steakhouse or was your, your first restaurant there. So did right. you stay with certain themes or did you move on to other venues? We, we, we do what the public wants and what they're, you know, like we just built Beacon 70 in uh, Brick, New Jersey, which is sports oriented, high end restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's like a combination of both fun, great food and great atmosphere. Well, I'm going to say you're right, because I have been there a few times myself and I say that's exactly the experience we had. So very nice. Oh, you've been to Beacon 70? I have been to Beacon 70. Yes, I've, I've tried it out and I've thoroughly enjoyed it and we'll be back again soon. So. Yeah. That's nice. That was one of our claims to fame. We had a marina, which we incorporated into it. We have doors that open up to the marina. We have sports, you know, TVs that, you know, entertain everybody. And the food is, for the most part, exceptional. Yeah, yeah. So that dictates really, you know, the theme or what kind of food you're going to buy, or even you say you bought a marina. It was right on the water. So that actually dictates, you know, what the the function of building is going to be, I know there's, you know, large window panes to look out at the water. Mm-hmm. And obviously your menu is going to offer a lot of seafood uh, exactly. being there too. So it's got to be pretty interesting. I also believe that that particular building, and this might be an interesting conversation. Uh, let's go back to the name, the beacon 70 and I'm, and the story behind the word beacon and some of the materials that are in that building. The, this, the name was created by one of the owners. Yeah. Uh, but as if you're from the area, the original ha- place was called Pilot House, mm-hmm. which they all have to do with nautical. Then it was Riverwatch, and now it's Beacon 70. And the materials from that building were, we believe there were so many rumors, but we, w- the original owner told us it was taken from a hotel that was knocked down in Point Pleasant. Yep. And the wood was brought from that hotel very old famous hotel i don't recall the name brought there milled and then assembled thought i saw another story on there or maybe a plaque uh, or something around there too but uh yeah I'd, i've I'd read something on there my wife is originally from the area 
she mm-hmm. was born in Point Pleasant Hospital, so uh, she's got she's kind of our local historian, uh, and right. I was uh, very interested in that too, and kind of tied them together as well, and, and, and understood the, that. the wood is just sensational in that building. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was great working with it. The architect would not let us paint any of it because <laughs> it was so beautiful. You know, the mahogany and the walnuts and. It was just, it's just a, a smorgasbord, really, of different types of wood in that building. So are you still building restaurants? Yes, we just finished Scarborough Fair in uh, Seagirt, New Jersey. Okay, another very nice restaurant. Um, been there a long time ago. Actually, I'll look forward to going there soon again, too. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of a, a local place that a lot of people know and, and very much enjoy, so... That's uh, high end too. So you like sticking with the the, the high end uh, buildings, materials, restaurants? Is that? A, I enjoy a, it, but I I would just I would just uh, I would love to build an English pub one day. Mm. Which is all natural woods and you know just a big old square bar with just tables around it and not as not as fancy as all the rest we built. Sure, that sounds good. It takes me back we to my days. We don't have anything of... around here like that. <laughs> no, no, we really don't. I, I always I started to say, I was like, that takes me back to my days of just backpacking across Europe and my mother uh, understanding that I was uh, spending a lot of time in pubs because they're so enjoyable. <laughs> you know, you, you get to yeah. talk to a lot of people sitting around those big uh, bars and, and just having conversations with locals and understanding yeah. uh, the, the local flavor of, of not only the food, but the town <laughs> and where to go and what to do and who to speak to. Right, we just bid rods in our Seeger too to build, but I'm mm-hmm. um, really not interested because they want to modernize it too much. So they're going to ruin the effect of the building that was so beautiful. Mm. So, so you get to uh, have some leeway in, in what you're choosing to build and, and what you're not choosing to build in some cases. At this at this point in my career, I can yeah pretty well pick and choose. Good, good for you. So you're also building houses for people, and you're you're doing both simultaneously. You're building restaurants or certain projects, and you're also building houses. Uh, is that a good combination and mixture? Yeah, it's like two different entities, and like like I always said, having a partner. I you know I've always had one because I always wanted t- some time to myself and my family. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a if you didn't do it on your own, you can only do onesie, twosies. And, you know, to make money, you have to do at least three or four a year. And with having a partner, we split the duties. Good. So, it's you know, it's a pleasure. And that, and we're so opposite, it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> like, you know, Felix and Oscar. You know, he's, he, he'll, I'll paint the wall white. That was natural mahogany. Yep. He'll come in and he'll go build his listic on me. Because he loves everything natural and clean look, you know. Yeah. That's, so... I keep up with the times. He's still living in Camelot. <laughs> but somehow it works, right? It works. It always does when it's opposites. <laughs> and being together, I guess, 40 years, you know, it's a long time to be together with somebody. Absolutely. So there's there's a there's a magic ingredient there that, that obviously, uh, you know, gets you guys working together and, and seeing eye to eye and seeing these projects through. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a, and... We're friends on the outside, which is even 
you know, it's, it makes it even more difficult at times. Because <laughs> you're going to be sitting at that English pub together, having a beer and having a discussion at the exactly, end of the day. Exactly, exactly. What is natural wood? And I'll have a paintbrush ready to paint it. <laughs> That's good. So let's go back to maybe some advice you, you, you might think about for young op- entrepreneurs or maybe builders, carpenters, craftspeople, uh, males or females. It doesn't matter. You know, we're all trying to get into a business or a an occupation somehow. So in the beginning of this, what do you, what do you recommend? Like right now I'm, I'm obviously specializing in secondary education, getting our 12th graders graduated, maybe entering a field to become uh, a tradesperson perhaps. And then maybe it is their dream to one day become a builder. But what do you, what do you see in the young workforce right now? What do you give recommendations for them to do uh, and how to get started in just a career it doesn't necessarily have to be become a builder. But what about careers? What's your what's your fatherly college, advice at this point? Personally, right now, college isn't for everybody. And if you don't have your master's degrees, who knows? Master's degree, who knows where you're going to go? I think going to a vocational school is one of the top things you can do. Electricians, plumbers, we need. We need uh, steam fitters. We need pipe fitters. We need air conditioning guys i think i think a young guy that doesn't or woman we have some great carpenters i have a tin knocker she'll 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 put ducks together faster than any guy i know and she is is fantastic she knows how to get around the wall and everybody will be there looking at it including the architect and this girl will come in and tin knock a, a duck duck work around the wall up, down, and around, and it's just amazing. So <laughs> it, nowadays, it doesn't, you don't, you know, it doesn't, it's not gender anymore. Sure. I think, a, I think a young guy or girl, woman that wants to get into this field, it's the time to do it. And then you, then you branch out if you want to be a builder, you know, or whatever. Once you learn your trade mm-hmm. or whatever you're going to do, or you just stay in it, there's so many young guys that uh, are plumbers and electricians that we've been seeing that know their stuff, but they all went to school. They all go to Volk schools and, and they come out and I have this one gentleman, Andy, Andrew, he's an electrician. And I think he may have even went to a couple classes up where you teach. And, uh, he got his electrical license and he was working for us as an apprentice for a long time. Now we can't even get him to come work for us because he's so busy. (laughs) He's in demand. He's in demand, and there's a lot of money in this these fields. And lot. that's that's definitely the other question because you know some people think about oh the trades you know oh, I'm I'm gonna you know look at your past you know and some people go oh I'm gonna go to college for chemistry and I'm gonna get my master's and and yes those can be very lucrative fields as well but obviously college is gonna cost you a lot of money uh, but they don't necessarily think that the trades are great jobs or even good paying jobs is you're gonna tell me that's not the case right. Right. They're tremendous paying jobs. They're, you know, getting in a trade nowadays. If you're in a union, you can forget it. Those guys with their overtime make a couple. I have a friend that's in the electrical union. He's a foreman now. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's, you know, he's older and everything. But he'll make himself $200,000 this year in New York as an electrician, you know, as a foreman. Money is fantastic. Fantastic. And a lot of those jobs also have uh, benefits that come with it. You didn't go to college. I I said, I tell her, you know, I say, I did go to college. They said, and you're doing this? I said, yeah, I'm doing this. This this is my love. This isn't, I don't, I'm not doing it because, you know, I I have to do it. I'm doing it because I love doing it. 
and you know, and college helped me a lot. You're looking at the people to come help you out and, and some of the people you hire on or, or maybe you see other uh, crews around and, and you're, you're pretty satisfied with a lot of what's out there. So is there, is there a demand? Is there more work opportunity than we're filling right now? Or, or... Oh, do we need help? We need plumbers. We need electricians. We need framing guys. Uh, finished carpenters, there's none that have, you know, knowledge of how to really finish cabinetry and, you know, doorways and just molding in homes. Uh, one of my molding guys has a factory in Freehold. He needs 10 guys. He mm. can't even get two. Wow. And mm. now these are two young brothers that came from Poland, went to vocational school in America, became carpenters, masters, carpenters, opened their own business, and they're so successful, it's crazy. Wow. So certainly a lot of opportunity at someone who has that forte or that interest. Exactly. Needs to get started. So it's, if you're good with your hands, you can do anything. Great. Sounds wide open. Sounds like a lot of opportunity. And yeah. I think, Never know. Maybe one day I'll go and teach a class. There you go. We'd love to have you. Obviously, there's there's a lot of great experience that needs to be told. Exactly what we're doing here right now, but actually teaching the class to say. This is how it, it, it really is done and in a lot more detail than, than what we can do in just a podcast. But it's a great introduction. Right. I certainly appreciate and, your... Uh, for an incident, I have a cousin. His name is Mitchell Joachim. Yep. He's a famous, famous architect. And he teaches at NYU and he teaches a class what you want to be when you grow up. Nice. That's... Interesting. Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of information. There's a lot of things to ponder about there. And, and I'm convinced that hardly any of our young people get that information. You know, we're fortunate because we're a school of choice in the vocational technical schools and teaching career and technical education. And, and that's the reason they come here. But there's many, many more comprehensive high schools out there. I've taught in them before myself. And there's no focus really on careers and uh, what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Uh, right. Certainly following your passion or getting skills and all that, too. It's, uh, it seems that the, the focus is, okay, go to college. And, exactly. and that, that's about it. But what, what I can also attest to is the fact that college is really in the same business that we are. And, you know, we're all there to help people prepare for their future anyway and what you're going to do afterwards. So you get a college, you're going to end up with a degree in something, and that's supposed to be your career uh, generally, although there's a lot of people that, you know, much like yourself, you've started, you've done it, you have were successful in it, but then you found out your passion lies elsewhere in what you want to exactly. do. So, exactly. you know, hopefully uh, we can help turn uh, some people to, to just understand that there's a lot of opportunity in many things. And uh, somehow we got this, um, maybe a negative attitude towards working in the trades or, or some of the building areas and all that too, as it was kind of uh, labor work or, you know, you're, you're out in, in the heat in the summer and the cold in the winter or it's dirty or something like that. But, you know, some of those things are a small thing to put up with and some of those people want to be outside and, and not sitting at a desk or in a lab. Exactly, exactly. That's one thing. <laughs> as modernization came about at least we keep warm in the winter now with all the space heaters and things like that <laughs> <laughs> we found out ways to make it a little bit more comfortable in order to do the work we're doing right exactly exactly the trades get a little spoiled now
Absolutely. So yeah, there's, there's a few more requirements and, and things we need to do. So that's yeah. a great thing. Well, Matt Pelicano, I really, really appreciate your career story. It's very interesting. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll meet up someday. Definitely. We'll yeah. have to meet up. All right. That sounds good. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a story that uh, is unique to you, but not necessarily unique to others. Again, I'm going to repeat the fact that you started out and you, you were successful in, in a field and you went to college and, and you did uh, a number of things, uh, but you did find a passion for something else and you stuck with that and you've been doing it for the past 30 huh? years. 30 years, 30 years plus this year, 30 years plus. That's great. That's great. And that's, that's success in itself. I uh, wish you a lot of luck and you. Uh, you continue on. And I know retirement is somewhere in your future, but maybe not just yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I, you know what? Once you do it and once you have it in your blood, I don't think, you know, you, I'll always work at least two, three days a week Good. doing something, supervising you know, just walking around, whatever, being a foreman. It's Once it's in your blood, it's like the restaurant business. Once it's in your blood, you don't ever want to leave it because it's entertainment. It's dealing with the public. It's great. And the last five years of my career with customers for building homes mm-hmm. has, has been sensational. Because the women and the men, the husband and wives, we tell them from the get-go, if you last through this building experience as a couple, yep. you will never get divorced. <laughs> it's the hardest thing you can do as a couple you're right, you're right. I, I, I never put it in those terms before but it certainly makes sense and, and we've gone through um, two renovations and, and a brand new house building and, and so far so good so I, I appreciate that you'll as be well. married forever <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good well Matt Pelicano thank you so much good luck with your business good luck with the rest of your, your career and uh, it's, it's really a tremendous time. So thank you again. You're welcome. A pleasure talking to you. Thank All you right. Again. All right. Take care now. That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.